0: Chris Smith Marvels mystifies and absolutely disrespects that Colorado defense as UCLA getting their first win against a ranked team under Mick Cronin as head coach a 72 to 68 takedown against number 20 Colorado yesterday at Pauley Pavilion and with that we welcome you into the show this is Locked On Bruins I'm Brian Fenley your host I'm also a national anchor for Fox Sports Radio and you can also hear me as a co-host for the Bruin Insider Show, which airs on Tuesdays on the radio in Los Angeles. I can be accessed via Twitter at Brian Fenley. That is Brian with a Y. Email is Bruins at gmail.com. Appreciate your comments. Appreciate all the things you're saying about this team and this podcast. And then make it a prerogative to subscribe to this show. And I'll tell you why. An added incentive to do that is in just a moment. And then feedback is always appreciated. Five stars all the way down to zero stars. Whatever you have to say about me, I will take it. And as I say, I'm a human pinata. So I mentioned that there was some extra motivation for listening to this podcast. Well, I'm going to plug myself here for just a moment because as is customary leading into a game, I will give you my three keys to the game. And what do you know, the Bruins against Colorado fulfilled every one of those keys and they won. So I I guess I know something. I don't know a whole lot according to my mom, but I do know something and that is I can give you a pretty good sense of how these games transpire. So why not listen to this show on a regular basis to get some insight and really get some straight shooting. So, for one, as we list out those keys to the game, I, I did say that the Bruins needed to outmuscle the Buffaloes in the paint and win the war in the rebounding department. The Bruins had 10 more rebounds. Second thing was you got to complicate things and force more turnovers, On CU and that means putting them outside of their comfort zone because according to their head coach and Tad Boyle he says at times the Buffaloes can become turnover prone. Well the Bruins had eight steals a lot of them leading to transition opportunities and baskets on the other end and they also had fewer turnovers than the Buffaloes. My third key to the game that was accomplished was that Chris Smith needed to have a bounce back game. I put the number at 16 points per game. He nearly doubled that. He had 30, a career high. So he is going to dominate the show at the beginning as we marvel in his greatness, pointing out what made him so successful against the Buffaloes. Also coming up on the program, there was a senior on UCLA that we haven't heard of a lot. Doesn't get a lot of playing time. And all of a sudden, he shows up on the offensive end. And what kind of added dimension that brought to the Bruins, although there were times at the end of this game where defensively, he, he knows that he wasn't on his game. And we'll get into that as well. Also on the program, the defense grading how they played, particularly in the first half. When I looked at that defense, and I looked at the body of work that UCLA put together in that first 20 minutes of play, And that resembled an NCAA tournament team. There's no question about it. This team was just on it. I also want to banter and yap about on the show Colorado's comeback attempt. They nearly pulled this thing off at the end as as the Bruins got a little bit complacent towards the finish, and I'll get into what led into that. And then to finish off the show, we will peer towards the Bruins' next opponent, which is Utah, and Utah will visit Pauley on Sunday. The Utes lost in a close one to USC on Thursday, so obviously yesterday. But let's get right into the lead, and that is the remarkable play on the court from Chris Smith, as we mentioned, thirty points surpassing a prior career high that was right around twenty twenty one. And he went 13 of 15 from the free throw line. This guy absolutely took over the game. And he was doing it on the defensive end as well. He had some steals. But what I loved so much about him, and it's, it's such a joy getting to watch this guy play, because you can tell that the offense and Mick Cronin, every single play, every single game, they entrust him more with the ball in his hands to make a play and to execute it's become very clear that Chris Smith is the guy that this team counts on to go into the clutch and, and get that bucket. And what we're seeing is that Chris Smith is listening and he's willing and up for the challenge. What was so fun to watch in this game from Chris Smith is that a lot of times, the Bruins kind of ran iso plays for Chris Smith where they would spread it out, get Chris Smith one-on-one with the defender. And Chris Smith just absolutely bamboozled his opponent, just befuddled him, would get to the lane, get fouled, obviously made 13 free throws, or would just bully his way to the cup, score and won. It was a show that was put on by Chris Smith. At a stretch in this game, whatever he threw up went in his athleticism his maturity was at a new level that i have not seen and just his comprehension of the offense and his willingness to do whatever it takes for this team and lead the squad in in so many different categories i loved as well that as far as what chris smith was able to do offensively was that what was so disheartening is that so many of his buckets in the second half, when the Buffaloes are, are playing sound defense, they're like, all right, it's a 30-second shot clock, 25 seconds in the shot clock, and we're doing pretty well. But over and over again, Chris Smith would throw jack up this wild shot at the end of a shot clock. And you're like, there is no way. There is no way that is going in. And it does. So unsettling for the opponent, so deflating for the morale of the Buffaloes because it happened on several different occasions. It's, it's the kind of shot, as a coach, you are totally against until the player makes it and you're like, okay, I'll give you a pass this time. So there was a stretch in this game, as I said, where Chris Smith put up everything and it all went through the cup and through the cylinder. A glorious game for him, 30 points and the one concern i have and and i and i could absolutely be in the wrong here but i just don't want the team to get too complacent with thinking okay I'll just give the ball to chris smith he'll take care of us and we can just hang out like he's going to be able to bail you guys out but i don't want that to become a, a a crux to what this team is capable of if they all of a sudden feel like that it, let's just every time rely on Chris Smith when it's a team game and other people have to step up in certain times as well. Jaime Jaquez played another strong game, and he is just so consistent. It's that 13.7 rebound performance from him. And I'll be honest with you, whenever there was a scrum and Jaime Jaquez was in the, at the bottom of it, I always knew he was coming up with a basketball even in the midst of a sea of Buffalo players, Jaquez just always has the nose for the basketball and that tenacity to get to it better than anybody else I've ever seen. Just knows where the ball is going, gets on the floor fastest. And, and I loved his offense as well in this game. He had this nice little shimmy move where he able to deke his defender, and then the fadeaway Jay was really nice. And then he also had this drive to the cup where he missed, follows up his shot, gets his own rebound, and then goes up for the putback and then gets fouled. I, I was thinking that there were a couple times in the first half where the Bruins took some shots and they they watched their shot like artwork and they didn't follow up their shot now I don't know if there's a restriction uh, some guys you know you don't want everybody to run down the rebound because then there's nobody to pedal back on defense but as far as following your shot Jaime Jaquez is so good at that and there were times where there were long rebounds and I'm like only if you guys as a Bruin team followed up your shot then you would have got a second chance opportunity although the Bruins no matter what They did dominate in second-chance points opportunities. At one point, the margin was in that category 16-2. to And then there was the play of Prince Ali. We've documented his demise as far as not getting out on the floor as often. The fifth-year senior, his playing time had been reduced. He does not start in this game, but he comes out with passion. He comes out with a fluidity about him, a looseness, just so free and not tentative and not overthinking. And he takes a couple threes that were contested shots. I mean, they were tough threes. One was in transition and early in the shot clock, and that one goes in. He was very ambitious when it comes to offense. Sometimes he got too ambitious because he – at one point, he blew by a defender, had a wide-open layup, and just blew it. I mean, absolutely just bricked it. And then there was that play where he got into the into the lane and was about to throw the house down with a jam that was a la what he did against Kentucky a couple of years ago, just a filthy finish, and it ends up ricocheting off the back of the rim, and so he can't put it down. So, he ended up with 11 points. He made three threes. Still stuff for him to clean up. And wasn't as good as he wants to be at the end of this game. And we'll get into that as well because the Bruins nearly lost this one at the end. They got a little bit too laxed down the stretch. But coming up next, UCLA's defense. What made it so dominating against the Buffs? Come halftime of this UCLA-Colorado game, I tweeted out about this UCLA defense, and I was praising it, and I was looking at the stats and noticing that UCLA, in the first half, they forced two shot clock violations, had five steals, 10 more rebounds, held the Buffaloes to 38% shooting, limited CU to six points in the paint, the Buffs had zero second-chance points, turned it over seven times, and their top scorer, McKinley Wright the fourth, was held to three first-half points. Defense was total Mick Cronin style. There was a play where Jules Bernard swatted Tyler Bay as the, the Buffalo tried to get to the rim, and then that led to a fast-break opportunity, And Prince Ali on the other end sticks the three. Now, the second half defense, not as pretty, not aesthetically pleasing for UCLA. McKinley, right, the four, scored 11 of his 14 points in the second half. And also the defense wasn't helped out because the offense for UCLA, as we look at that second half, the Bruins' offense started the second half 2 of 12 from the field. They got the quick and one three-point play at the beginning, went on this long drought, then finally David Singleton hits a three topside, makes it 47-39. And what also ailed the Bruins in the second half is the guys, some of them started to get into to foul trouble. Jalen Hill and Jaime Haquez had to come out early in the second half with three fouls. And there was a stretch in this game where the Bruins missed 9 of 10 shots from the field. They had, in the first half, a 14-0 run and a 9-0 run. And it was the Buffaloes making the run in the second half. Then you had Jalen Hill picking up his fourth foul with 10 minutes to go. And UCLA was up by only 5. The Bruins had led by as many as 15 And now their lead was cut to five. And so now you had to put Alex Olashinsky out there for a little bit. Cody Riley would end up fouling out. So did Jalen Hill. And Jalen Hill fouled out with about three minutes or so to go. Right afterwards, Cody Riley fouled out. And the Buffaloes just never gave up. I mean, they just kept making shots down the stretch, keeping it close. But their head coach, Tad Boyle, must have been incensed at the end. Because there were a couple no calls by the officials that even the broadcasters signaled as fouls or, excuse me, turnovers. You had Chris Smith had a a traveling call that that was not called at the end. You also had Prince Ali in, in a stationary inbound situation where he's moving his feet, and that's a turnover that was not called. And then Ali... Fouls a three-point shooter late in the game. And then UCLA missed a bunch of free throws at the end. So here's the thing, you know, Boyle can be upset and he's probably not going to say anything publicly about some of the, the missed calls by the officials late. But at the same time, you know, UCLA missed a lot of free throws. And that those are gifts for you as a Buffaloes team. And if you still can't capitalize on that, well, that's kind of on you, right? So you, you can't put all the blame, and I know he's not going to do that, but you can't put all the blame on a couple calls that, that were not made. And you also can't blame the officials for the Buffaloes going the last four and a half minutes of this game without a field goal. All their buckets, points, excuse me, all their points came from the free throw line. So you can berate and, and, and yell out and, and trash officials, but at the same time you got to look at yourself and say, wow, you know, we went the last four and a half minutes of this game without scoring. Maybe it's not all their fault after all. And once you realize that, there's a sense of uh, relief, if you want to call that, or a sense of a sense of uh, self acceptance. So there's that. UCLA now improves to four and four in the Pac-12, eleven and ten in their overall season mark. And it's Utah coming up next. We'll preview Utah, look at one of their top scorers and their head coach and his connection to Kobe Bryant. The Bruins will take on and host Utah on Sunday, a noon tip-off from Pauley Pavilion. The Utes are a really hard team to decipher. They just got beat by USC yesterday, but they did. The Utes have a two-game Winning streak before then when they beat the Washington schools, Washington and Washington State, they are very young. According to com, they are the third youngest Division I team in the country. So there's always that excuse they can use. They also are not a very good defensive team as they are last in the conference in points allowed per game. That was coming into this week. They held off Washington by one point, 67-66. And keep an eye on Booth Gotch, who shows up in some games and plays really well. And then other games, you forget he's even playing. He has great games against Kentucky. This Utah team, I just can't understand it. It has to be the youth, because you win against a Kentucky team, and then you know, you kind of puke it up in, in conference play. So Booth Gotch has been very inconsistent. He scores 24 points in a loss to number four Oregon earlier this year. And then there are other games where you're like, well, he had five points against Washington State. So, like, what's the deal? So the the youth is the biggest impediment for Utah, to be honest with you. And the fact that they played USC close signals to me that this is not just going to be a cakewalk for the Bruins. And I hope that that they are able to celebrate the win against Colorado, but not get too hot-headed about it and refocus, get the job done on Sunday. Utah head coach Larry Christoviak, interesting, you know, as we continue to mourn the passing of, of Kobe Bryant found an interesting connection between Kristoviak and Kobe Bryant in that Kristoviak, at the end of his NBA career, had a couple of 10-day contracts with the 1996-1997 Lakers when Kobe Bryant was an 18-year-old rookie. So they were teammates during that 1996-1997 season. Christoviak, the current Utah head coach, and Kobe Bryant. And in regards to the news of Kobe Bryant's passing, in, a, in an article Christoviak recently said, to me, his team should be playing for Kobe. It creates a little bit of an inspiration and a motivation for us, and we have to use that. He said, quote, I think he was a great mo- role model for how to play the game. The Bruins had a moment of silence before the game against Colorado in honoring the greatness that is Kobe Bryant. And now UCLA will refocus, duke it out with Utah on Sunday, and we're going to have all of the breakdown for that game on our Monday podcast. So hope you can... Be able to tune into that. Have a great week, and Again, noon is the tip time for Utah and UCLA. But celebrate this UCLA win. This could be a really turning point, not just to the season, but to the overall morale, the fan base. You know, there were way too many open seats, empty seats in that, that Pauley Pavilion on Thursday. Way too many. And so hopefully, as word spreads that the Bruins won this game against a nationally ranked team, that people will become more compelled to come to Poly and support the Bruins. So winning helps, and they got one done on Thursday, 72-68 against number 20 Colorado. That is it for this edition of Locked On. Bruins have a wonderful weekend. I'm Brian Fenley.